This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. We are one day away from the start of the 2021 regular season, and Chris Sims taking a drink from his mug for the first time ever at Raymond James Stadium. Back in Tampa Ooh, baby. for the first time since he played for the Buccaneers all those years ago. Chris, most important question. Yes. Have you found your spleen? Uh, no, it's not here. It's still, still missing, missing in action. Chris Sims' spleen, we don't know where it is. So, yep, I, I am honestly, though, I was telling the crew here, like I am probably about 20 yards from where the initial hit happened that made me lose my spleen. Of course, Thomas Davis put his helmet, you know, right in my stomach. So uh, it's it's cool. It's great to be back here. The stadium looks great. I miss the city. You know, I told my wife, I was like, man, we have I have not been back to the city, Mike, since we left. And as soon as I landed, I was like, I know why I haven't been back. It's sad to be back here. You know, all the memories come back and all the good times and friends and everything came to your came to my mind right away. But uh, still, it's really great to be here in the stadium today and and be back in Tampa. Two questions, two very important questions, far more important than whether or not you found your spleen. Do you have a football (laughs) with you, and will you be throwing it into the pirate ship? I don't have a football with me, but we'll do that maybe for uh, tomorrow or the next day, one of those shows. But the pirate ship, I, I don't know if you can see it. It's right basically right over my head there i don't know if i got the arm to get it there anymore man i'm an old man i'm 41 i don't know i'm not tom brady on the tb12 you know uh health health kick i'm not sure if i can get it there first of all don't expect anyone to see anything through your head of all heads (laughs) in the world not yours and uh, thank you so anyway it's it's great it's great that you're there i was given the option to stay home Given no. that for the pregame show, I'm not on for all that long. And look, I without getting into the whole COVID situation, it's not exactly, you know, 
uh, COVID-free zone. So be careful yes, down there. I know. I will. I'll be careful. I do wish you were here. I mean, like I said, I'm in withdrawal. I'd like to hit you a little, beat you up, grab the back of your neck, you know, punch you in the chest. I haven't done that in a while, and I need to see you soon. But uh, I totally understand, so don't worry. I was just reflecting yesterday with someone on the fact that you and I haven't been together since you were vomiting in a trash can in Indianapolis. You're right. That was the last time. We went to the Super Bowl in Miami, had a few weeks apart from each other, and then the Combine. And you're right. That's Hey, that's a good lasting memory I gave you there, though. So at least I went out with a bang. <laughs> and if we talk about it long enough, you know it's going to show up at some point, if not now, on the way to break. And yes. we finish talking about Thank the you. things we're supposed to be talking about, not your return to Tampa. Although it's neat to see you in the stadium, and I'm sure it's neat for you to be there back. There we go. Is that, Thank there you. it is. Blah. There it is. Yes, there it is. February yep. I thought I had COVID. I was really like, man, I got COVID. I'm, I'm going to be good. I got the antibodies. I'm COVID-free now. I really thought that's what I had at the time, but obviously I did not. You, no, you, did, you lied to us. You told us that you had food poisoning or something like that. Well, or stomach well, no. flu. You didn't say I you wasn't thought you sure. had COVID. Well, that's what like my thought was. Like, damn, because it was just becoming popular. I was thinking, man, maybe I got COVID here, and that's the issue. No, I hadn't told you yet that I really think I might have got it from eating the burger off LaGuardia's floor. That was the real problem. <laughs> I, that, we, we've, we've assessed that now. <laughs> it's not as funny when you say it. Um, but anyway, that is a fitting metaphor for everything that's gone on since that moment. Chris throwing up into a trash can. That could be the official gif for the United States of America since that moment. So anyway, football's back tomorrow night. Yeah. That's all that matters for now, and we're going to get you ready for it. And one thing that somewhere in Tampa, Tom Brady currently at the hour of 7.06 a.m. Eastern is getting ready for is trying to decipher, God forbid, the jersey numbers of the defensive players he'll be facing tomorrow night. He recently told Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times that – the number rule, which allows linebackers, defensive backs to wear single digits and a wide range of numbers for the first time ever, if they so choose. He says it's crazy. Literally, guys change their numbers today. I'm playing two guys who had different numbers in the preseason. So, yeah, you've got to watch film, know who you're studying, but so do the running backs. They've got to know who to block. So does the offensive line. So does the receivers who are adjusting their routes based on blitzes. So one guy has got a 6, one guy has an 11, one guy has a 9. They change every play. When you break your routes and get to your spot, it's going to be a very challenging thing. It's a good advantage for the defense, which that's what it is. It would be like saying, what if I let the offensive lineman wear 82 and number 9? They wouldn't know who was eligible. Well, that's not fair. You'll get your tail kicked. At least identify the defensive line, the linebackers, and the safeties. You're going to have a lot of matchups where guys are blocking the wrong guys. I don't know why that should be. Here's Brady from yesterday elaborating just a little bit on his views as it relates to this new numbers rule. Want to talk about jersey numbers too? I could get on that. I feel pretty strongly about that. I don't want to get into it. I've already talked ad nauseum about it. Other than I think it's a stupid rule just to be to put it out there one more time. I love Let me it. say this. This isn't it. something that he's just throwing out there now as some way to build in an excuse in the unlikely event they lose to the Cowboys. He's no. previously made this point, okay? Yes, now, I right. remember when he previously made the point, Chris, I said, hey, Tom, where the hell were you when this was merely a proposal? Why didn't you chime in then? His yes. voice is kind of influential. Why do you right. wait until it's official? Secondly, 
The Chiefs are the ones who propose this. You think Andy Reid is going to propose this if he thinks it's going to screw up his team's ability to move the ball down the field? I don't think so, Chris. So what's going on here? Well, no, there is something to this. I mean, there is. There, it, it will affect the cleanness of the football game. And I know a lot of people go first off, they go, well, it's like college football. They have all these numbers. Yes, but college football is not as advanced as the NFL as far as the protections, the rules, the amount of protections you have, all the site adjustments and those and, and all that that goes into the, the playbook and the scheme. So it's simpler that way. But then, like, the, the, the thing that I think Brady's getting to and where he's talking about yes there are rules there's written rules within the NFL so a blitz pickup let's just say he's in the shotgun Leonard Fournette's standing to his left right he's gonna say what he has to say right or you know 52's the mic right all right so 52's the mic he's basically telling that at that point the offensive line hey you got the four down offensive lineman or defensive lineman excuse me and the one guy I pointed out is your responsibility now a lot of the times the back off of that his rules are either the next linebacker to the left of that line that guy that he pointed out the Mike 52 or it could be a certain protection where his rules are don't don't worry about any linebackers you have to block the first secondary blitzer that comes into the into play or around the line of scrimmage and that's where Brady's concerned because he's going to go wait the middle linebacker is wearing the same numbers as the safeties and we're not going to sure know who's who and we might accidentally all of a sudden have a left tackle on a smaller safety and our running back now on a big, overpowering physical linebacker, which is a matchup he doesn't want. This is where Brady thrives. This is why he doesn't like it. He's the, the, the general of all generals as far as getting everybody in the right place, getting everybody on the same page, knowing how to pick up these blitzes, and then, of course, execution, right? I mean, Brady's the all-time master at executing an offense. So from that standpoint, that's why he's bothered by it. He uses his mind as anybody more than anybody in the history of football or as much as the Peyton Mannings and Aaron Rodgers and that's why it bothers him because it's going to mess up his offense it's going to make him think for a second longer now when he does things instead of just being so seamless and calling the play and now he's going to be wait Leonard that's that's a free safety you got to worry about him hey offensive line that's that's you know this this is a linebacker it's not the safety and even though he's number nine and I think that's really where his concerns really you know lie with, with this situation. I remember a few years ago when everybody was so impressed that Sean McVay, the Rams coach, was able to rattle off the names of all of the defensive players on the Bears the yeah. week that he was getting ready to play the Bears. And Look, if you don't know the names and the numbers of the defense that you're facing, what are you doing playing in the NFL? That's how I look at it. So you adapt, you adjust. And maybe it is that Brady's less concerned about his own ability to process that Micah Parsons wears number 11, not 55. Right, right. But, but yeah, maybe the running back isn't going to pick it up. Maybe the, the left tackle's not going to pick it up. Maybe the tight yes. end's not going to pick it up. I understand that, but still, I, I don't think we're asking – these guys to do all that much more to understand that this week 11 is a linebacker not a safety now it is odd that they let certain players on the Cowboys change numbers this week so you're going to study and go wait this is the safety and wait oh no now he's wearing now this week he's wearing a different number that is a little weird it also will affect the wide it well, it's a split-second game. You know, that's the other thing. It's a game that moves so fast when you're on the field. You try to eliminate thinking. 
You know, you want it to just be reactionary. And now with like, think about Mike Evans. He split out to the left, and his rule is I'm going to run a 10-yard out route, but if the free safety blitzes, i got to make an adjustment and run a slant route. You know, no. so now he's looking at coverages. He's looking at the ball snapped. Oh, wait, the coverage changed. Oh, wait, oh, I don't know. I just saw a single digit come off the edge. Was that the linebacker or the safety? Oh, crap, I don't know what to do. And that's where I think Brady's affected by it. I mean, yes, in the long run, we know, yeah, they're going to be able to figure it out. But it's easier, to your point with Sean McVay, to rattle off the numbers and names of the players when you know – the position group is going to be in a certain group of numbers. Like, oh, yeah, defense alignment are going to be wearing 70s and 90s for the most part. Okay, it's pretty easy to figure out and remember those numbers. Now when you got guys all over the place, the nose tackles wearing three and the middle linebackers 11 and then the free safeties, you know, number seven, it is a little harder for the quarterback and the offense in general. Uh, but, but yes, uh, I hear your point. We can't complain too much because it, the, the rules are already set up for the offense in such a way. They have so many advantages. It's kind of nice to see the defense get one advantage back here. I want to go back to a point you made yeah. that the Cowboys yeah. this week have some players who change numbers. Now, this goes back to something Tom Brady said on The Shop, the LeBron James Maverick oh, Carter show go. on HBO, when yeah. he said, I only tell the truth 90% of the or no, wait a minute. I lie 90% of the time. Slight difference. I lie 90% of the time. Because I conceal what I'm really thinking. Well, you know what, Tom? Right. If you hadn't opened your mouth about the numbers, maybe the Cowboys wouldn't be trying to mess with you. That's why <laughs> you keep this stuff close to your vest if he truly is bothered by it. Now, I don't know. Is being bothered by the numbers part of the 90% when he's not telling the truth or part of the 10% when he is? I don't know that either. But when you make it known that it bugs you, hell yes, I'm going to have my guys changing as many numbers as I possibly can the week before I'm playing Tom Brady because I know it bugs him. And I want to bug him. There aren't many things that bug him. I'm going to take advantage of anything I can that will. Yeah, no, I listen, Mike, I, I hear you there. I mean, maybe that is something they thought of. I, I doubt it. I think it's really just players probably going, like, I want to change my number and look cool in the regular season, and that guy got cut, so it's available. But I think ultimately it still goes back to Brady the general, and that's what he's bothered by. You know, th- this is a guy, too, you know, like Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes and company, yeah, they, they invented the rule. But I can sit here and tell you, too, You know, some of their protections aren't as advanced as what Tom Brady had in New England or even here in Tampa. And I don't want to say as advanced, but there's a little more moving parts at times. Like Kansas City could be a big, like what we call a slide protection team where it's not always, you don't always have to worry about numbers and things like that. It's like, hey, right tackle, you take this defense end, and now the other four offensive linemen, I want you to slide this way and take who's ever over there. And they kind of just block as a unit altogether. You know, Brady, from where he was in New England and here in in Tampa, they're into man-to-man blocking a lot, where they want the bigs on the bigs, the backs on the secondary guys or the smaller linebackers. And because of that, it affects them more than maybe the teams that just do the slide protections because there is more communication, passing of people off. You know, we want to keep the big guys on the big guys. So if we do have a switch, we switch with each other. We're not switching with a safety and a defensive end or something of that nature. So uh, I think that's where it really bothers him. But I come back to one of your main points, Mike. Then this is, I love Tom Brady. I know people think I'm a hater. I love he's so open now but I wish he would stick his damn nose out there a little bit more like you're saying when these conversations are going on because he can change them 
He could bring this to everybody's attention. And then all of a sudden, 10 other quarterbacks get behind him and a bunch of wide receivers. And then the NFL goes, damn, okay, maybe we don't want to do this. Maybe this will make the, the game a little less clean and fun to watch. And that's where I wish he would just, you know, like you said, step up to the plate there a little differently. Now, either he knew the rule change was potentially coming and chose not to say anything just to see what would happen, or or he's not reading ProFootballTalk.com or watching us in the offseason to know what rule changes are coming. Yeah, so, he's got to do that. Step it up. Come on, Tom. you got to step, step up. it up, man. Yeah. you got to know TB what's going 12, on. Mitchell, PFT, right. <laughs> Mitchell Schwartz knows what's going on. Here's what he had to say in response to our item pointing out Tom Brady's concerns about the numbers. This will definitely lead to a bit more work for the offense to know everyone's number and identify who the rushers are compared to coverage guys. On the flip side, a bunch of college kids just managed to do it and do it every year with zero preseason film. It'll yeah. be fine. And you know, I think about Alabama. You know what? If this really was a benefit for defenses, the the defensive players on Alabama would be number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven. That would be your starting eleven if there was a benefit to that. Or it would just be maximum confusion. You have ninety-nine as a safety and number two as a defensive tackle. You would manipulate it completely and totally to your advantage at the college level if this really was a major thing. No, yeah, I mean, listen, it's not a major thing. But it is going to be the first time in a long time that offensive players will actually have to study the numbers of the other guys on the team. Where before you didn't. You just you knew, like, oh wait, this guy's wearing this number, this is this kind of player. And if he was treated differently as a DB or a linebacker or something like that, then that was identified during the week, but it was like one guy you had to worry about. You know, the, the, the offensive line is going to have to study, you know, the rosters a little bit and go, wait, okay, wait, their defense alignment are 7, 9, okay, 48, whatever. You know, they have to go through all these. That's going to be different. And I, I just will go back to Mitchell Schwartz. I mean, he's right. If the college kids can do it, of course the NFL guys can do it, no doubt. But that goes back to, again, my complexity thing. The NFL pass protections are far more complex than college. Come on, Mike, we hear about this all the time, every year. Uh, linemen aren't ready for the NFL. Linemen aren't ready for the – why? Why is that? Because they don't do anything in college football anymore. They take one step to the right, and the guy throws a screen. They take one step to the left, and the guy throws a screen. You know, they take – they all block to the left, and the quarterback – keeps the ball and runs to the right. It's so simple that it doesn't come into play nearly as much as it will in the NFL. And I think you will see a few mishaps in week one because of it. Here's another thing, and this is the last I'll say about it before we move on, and it will be yeah. a good segue to the Patriots. If there was an advantage at the NFL level to be had, you know all the numbers would be configured accordingly by the New England Patriots for maximum confusion. They would have moved and changed and reissued numbers like they do at practice with Mac Jones wearing number 50. Yeah, right? right? They would do whatever they could to take full advantage of it. And the fact that they haven't tells me that maybe it's a little overblown. And if somehow the Buccaneers lose tomorrow night, great opening line for Tom Brady will be, hey, these damn number changes messed us up offensively. See? See? I told you what would happen. So we'll see well, if there's any. Well, last thing I'll say to too, just to, to what you said, because I, you know, I, I don't, I hope Brady wouldn't make that excuse. I don't expect him, and I expect them to be. He the doesn't have to. Team. He's already built it in. I he's know. He's already built right. it in. 
Well, it's all right. Let's not kill him for finally, like, breaking out of his shell and being open and, like, fun to listen to and not the robot he was in New England. I kind of enjoy that. Um, I was going to make one more point, and I forgot what I was going to say, and I don't know. Oh, I was going to say, maybe this is, you know, again, let's let this, you know, percolate for a year. And then maybe we will start to see teams and coordinators and things start to mess with people with the numbers and orchestrate how they want to make the roster number-wise to see if they can mess with people. Maybe that will be an unintended consequence as we go here and teams get used to this and and realize there are advantages or disadvantages to be had. All right, in New England, Mac Jones, the new starting quarterback, less than a month away from a showdown with Tom Brady. That's a heck of a way to get baptized into the NFL. Here is Mac Jones from yesterday on being named the starting quarterback right out of the gates to start his career. Were you surprised? Um, not really. I mean, I, like I always say, I prepare to be the starter, and nothing really changes. You know, mean much. Uh, the label is the label, but you got to go out and produce. And that's just kind of what it comes down to. Were you able to have a conversation with Cam Newton upon his release? You guys, did he, you know, offer any words of encouragement or any advice? Um, yeah, I think just with him, obviously he was a really good mentor to me, and um, I know we'll stay in touch. And um, you know, ever since I came here, he knew that um, I was here to help him, and he was here to help me. So I never felt like we were um, butting heads or anything like that. And um, obviously, Cam's a great guy. And he's a great player, and hopefully he lands somewhere and gets a chance, but I definitely learned a lot from him. You know, it's funny that he never perceived they were butting heads. It was like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. The winner got a set of steak knives, and the loser got fired. That's how it went. Not that Mac Jones was getting fired if he wasn't the starting quarterback, but Cam Newton, not the snarter. Cam Newton out the door. So, uh, look, I I like everything that Mac Jones has done so far in the NFL but it all gets real in four yeah. days when right. the Patriots host the Dolphins. Yeah, no, it all gets real. We'll see where it goes. But I don't think he's like, he's not worried about it. You could tell he has a just, as we've talked about many times, has an inner confidence, one that's very noticeable when he runs on a football field. You know, he the way he speaks there is very mature just when we listen to him. And anybody I talked to in the pre-draft process, that was the one thing that continued to pop up about Mac Jones was just the the self-confidence, the belief in himself that he has, he's got, even though he looks like Johnny Nerdy white guy, He's got some like coolness about him that he really can relate to players and players want to be around him. You know, again, I mean, think about the offensive lineman during some of those interviews, uh, the kid, the center that the Eagles drafted, right? He was playing with them in the draft process. Think about how much uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell waxed poetically about Mac Jones and made a comment that, oh, I mean, Mac Jones over Tua. I mean, that just tells you a little bit about the guy. And I just don't think he's affected. Listen, I think he's realistic to know it's not going to be easy. But, man, I think he's got quite the confidence. And he knows he's got a coaching staff behind him that's uh, going to have a right game plan, too. Sorry, we got a helicopter. I'm doing a show here. Get out of here. <laughs> you hear it? You hear it? I, I, hear, I hear the helicopter. I was waiting yes. for the helicopter to start Thank dropping you. turkeys down onto the How field. Dare. Because uh, How dare as they? God is my witness, I, I thought... 
turkeys could fly. It's gotten noticeably lighter in 20 minutes in Tampa. Yes. I don't know if that's a Tampa thing, but you were like Dracula to start the show, and now uh, now it's uh, you're not sweating yet, though. I've been waiting for the flop sweat because my understanding is it's a little bit warm down there. <laughs> a little, little humid down here, for sure. I, that's that's one thing that you know I'll always uh, never forget about Tampa. And, yeah, you know, we're on the west coast of Florida. we got a little bit of a different sunrise over here. It's, you know, we're living the good life over here in Florida right now, Mike. You know, just just good times. Uh, all right, good times for the Patriots, though, with Mac Jones. And and you know, what, what a difference. I mean, Brady had to toil in obscurity for a year and then wait for Drew Bledsoe to get injured. And I know that, as legend has it, Bill Belichick was already thinking about making the shift to Brady, right? right. And, 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 and had too many... Too many eggs in Drew Bledsoe's basket, too much money, too much focus, didn't want to have a star player, wanted it to be about the team, the team, the team, right. the team. And right. now you got a guy, I mean, rookie year, first game, starting quarterback, and he's going to face Brady. I, if Mac Jones can pull this off, if he can step in and be as seamless as he was, win or lose, if he can be as seamless as he was when they are game planning for him, if he can move like this robot, like this video game character where everything yeah. is exactly how they drew it up, that is going to be one of the more amazing stories that we've seen. I mean, Patrick Mahomes sat for a year. If Mac Jones comes in, and he's not going to play like Mahomes, but if he plays like this in games that count and help the Patriots win games, that's a hell of a story, Chris, right out of the it, gates. It, it would be amazing. You're right. I mean, it was a different scenario with Brady and Drew Bledsoe. Of course, Bledsoe had been to a Super Bowl. He was established. But to your point, I mean, I know my father has told me many times, and even on my podcast a few times he's discussed it, where, yeah, even you know months leading up to it's still Bledsoe the starter, yeah, Belichick was saying things like this Brady guy, this Brady guy, this Brady guy. I think they've had their eyes on Mac Jones all year long. We said it a lot. This is the most NFL-ready quarterback coming out in the draft. Yeah, he might not be like jaw-dropping, physically gifted, but he is not going to be in awe of this situation or try to do too much. Like, you know how we've talked about many times, right? Like Jameis Winston having that, like the break, the governor to not like try to make magic happen or Deshaun Watson and not every play has to be the last play of the fourth quarter like Mac Jones he's different that way and that he's not going to leave the realm of what he is or do anything stupid that way and I think that's where they really trust him you know not only can he make plays and do things in the offense that they like and he can understand it and pick it up and go through the reads but they know he's not going to try to be like oh we're struggling you know let me try to make a play and do something which now one mistake becomes two mistakes and it's a disaster he'll stay within himself and he's shown that, and I think that's why they got great confidence in him, and they're going with him. Hard not to wonder how long this was percolating for Bill Belichick, and it just worked out perfectly. 15th pick, didn't have to trade up. Mac Poof. Jones fell right Boom. into his lap. At a right? time when, at a time when, sorry 49ers fans, widespread belief that Kyle Shanahan was on Mac Jones, and somebody talked him into Trey Lance. And, hey, Lance may end up being a superstar, but it's got to be driving Kyle crazy to see Mac Jones so far become exactly what the Patriots had hoped he would be because he could have run that 49ers offense the exact same way, Chris, 
He's running yeah, I, this New England offense. And we could be getting and, and think of how different it would be if they had taken Jones because yeah. when Jones had the opportunity, he would have seized it like he seized it in New England. Garoppolo no wouldn't even be on the team right now in San Francisco if they had taken Mac Jones. I that I, I kinda I'm with you there, Mike. I you know, Mac Jones is just he's the way better version of Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, so yes. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm still confused by my buddy, too. I really, I got the greatest faith in Kyle Shanahan. You know what I think of him as an offensive designer, game planner. But uh, I just, everything in me, every conversation we ever had, Mac Jones was his type of quarterback. Obviously, he wanted to go a different direction there. Uh, but, yeah, this this puts more pressure on that number three pick, for sure. Uh, on Shanahan, the 49ers, because, yeah, Mac Jones, he looked great in the preseason. He certainly looked better than Trey Lance. You know he's in New England, who has a good team, a good system that he can take advantage, and you know that's they're going to be forever linked. This three, this three pick and this fifteen pick, and that's uh, yeah, going to make the the situation a little bit more interesting and have a little more pressure on Shanahan because of it. And since we're kind of unexpectedly in this neighborhood, let me plant this flag one last time. Okay. I was reminded of it yesterday when the Saints abruptly cut running back Latavius Murray. Why did they cut him? Because they went to him with a proposal on taking a reduced salary because his salary becomes, as a practical matter, guaranteed if he's on the roster 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday of this week. That's when the roster's locked for week one. If you're on the active roster, your salary is guaranteed as a practical matter. Jimmy Garoppolo, $24.1 million. I, you got look. F- we say all the time, football is a business. It is a business. It is a ruthless, dispassionate, objective business. Chris, I don't know how. Even though Garoppolo, starting quarterback on the depth chart, the starting quarterback will be speaking to reporters today, not Trey Lance. He's the starter week one. But we know where they want this to go. I don't know why the 49ers won't go to him and say, "Hey, Jimmy." Jimmy, yeah, you're number one on the depth chart for now, but you know where what's going on. We know what's going on. We can't pay you $24.1 million. Look at all the money that you got paid the past few years when you didn't even play very much. We can't justify it. We'll give you fifteen. You can make back the rest. Here's an incentive package. If you prove us wrong, you can make it all back. We can't pay you fifteen. We just can't. Or we can't pay you $24. we will offer you fifteen. And the reality is, if that offer is made to him now, Chris, who the hell else is going to offer him fifteen? Now he no. can blow it all up. He can exactly. blow it all up and call their bluff. But right. I, I'm I'm stunned that they're, maybe they're thinking about it and they're concerned he will call their bluff and then they're stuck with Trey Lance and no one else uh-huh. and, he, and he isn't uh-huh. ready. Uh-huh. That's what I think. I mean, that has to be the first thing that comes to your mind. You know, yeah, we like Trey Lance. We like the direction he's coming in. But, man, if we got to throw him out there right now, you know, we like we've talked about a few times in the preseason, we've just seen too many moments of errant throws and, you know, careless football to where you go, whoa, it's a Super Bowl team. And you throw a young rookie quarterback in out in the mix like that who looked like that in the preseason, it, it could go down the drain in a hurry. So I think because of that, Mike, you know, and then also I think because Jimmy Garoppolo has such a great presence in the locker room, they know they got to be a little delicate here. You know, it's still he's still got a backing just from the way you read things and re- hear from, you know, reading between the tea leaves of players and everything like that. You see that the players still really, really respect him and like him a lot. And I think that's where it's delicate, too. They got to make sure they respect respect a guy that a lot of the team looks at as a leader and a guy that can take them back to the Super Bowl. 
What a mess. It's just a, a mess. mess. I'm sorry. And 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 I think some 49ers fans get it. I think others just don't want to have their little bubble of, hey, this year can be Super Bowl win number six for us. So, you know, we're going to see everything as positive. This is a mess. You don't give up all that stuff to go get your next quarterback and then cling to the one you already have. It doesn't make any sense. So we'll see how it plays out. And if Garoppolo yeah. plays really well, it's another year where Trey Lance, yeah, he's going to be playing. He's going to have a package. But I think they want to get him under center full time sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, as much as I, I look at the 49ers as a Super Bowl football team, I think you do the same. You know, I, I would not be shocked. And you're right. It just you know we're down this lane. So yeah, what 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 would happen if Garoppolo was the starter and they end up back in the Super Bowl? I mean, that's going to throw a wrench in everybody's plans in that organization. Yeah, Trey Lance. They traded a lot for him. They they want him for the future. They obviously think they can build him into something special, and he can overcome some of these little deficiencies he has in throwing. We've seen he's got talent. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, it's it's a an intriguing situation. One that we really haven't seen very often in the history of the NFL kind of play out this way all the more reason to go to Jimmy Garoppolo now and in addition to offering him a reduced salary of 15 million saying we'll rip up next year so you'll be a free agent after the season so you know what they don't have to make the decision Jimmy Garoppolo has a big year via con Dios and go be the quarterback in Denver or somewhere else uh, and we're going to move forward with Trey Lance next year. You're basically tying your hands in advance so you don't get yourself into that mess yeah, come right. 2022. Because it is potentially a mess. And I know you can say it's a good problem to have. The only good problem is no problem. And I think when they traded up to get a quarterback, they didn't think they'd be having this problem of that quarterback not ready to take over right out of the gates. I agree right. with that. Yeah. They, they, they haven't cut Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco, they did cut Cam Newton in New England. That's one of the reasons why the Garoppolo thing got back on our radar screen. Yesterday, Bill Belichick meeting with reporters and talking in further detail about why he moved on from Cam Newton. Here he is. It's always tough to, to tell guys that have that worked hard and given you all they have that you know, you're, not able to, you're not able to keep them. But, you know, I have nothing but positive thoughts and feelings for Cam. You know, he came in here, he, he worked hard, he gave us everything he had, and right now, our, you know, our future is going to be Mac at quarterback, and so that's where we're going to go. That was not with reporters. That was the Greg Hill Show on WEEI before he did his press conference, but the bottom line is flowery, positive things to say about Cam Newton, but, you know, at the end of the day, they, they told him, you can't stay here. You got to yeah. go. We got, you know, hey, but they, they gave him a nice little signing bonus and he's got a guaranteed salary if he ends up not playing this year, but had to go. Um, what do you think the main reason is for it not working out? If, they, if, if we had to list the reasons, what would be at the top of the list as to why it didn't work for Cam Newton this year in New England? That Mac Jones outplayed him, outpracticed him. I think that's the number one thing. I think that's being lost in the conversation just a little bit. You know, he, he earned, uh, from everybody I talked to in New England or texted with, he earned this job. He won the job outright, flat out. And I think that's kind of being lost in, in translation here with this. We're thinking like, oh, maybe it was even, but they just know he's the future. And, you know, so I would put that at the number one spot. And then, you know, I think the next thing would be, uh, you know, the not being able to depend on Cam or just a little bit of like, oh, 
here's another something here. Last year it was COVID and, you know, he didn't listen and he was, you know, in Boston and with his personal workout. And now this year that, I think that would probably be second on the list after just Mac Jones outperforming him on a daily basis through training camp. And it did work out just perfectly that, you know, a day or two after Belichick says Cam's the starter until someone plays better than him, Mac Jones got the opportunity to perform yeah. better than him in the joint practice with the Giants. And, and he took it. He had the opportunity and he took it. And back to the 49ers one last time. You have yeah. said that you thought Kyle was extra frustrated after one of the preseason games where right. the opportunity was there for Trey Lance to take it after Jimmy Garoppolo threw an interception, and he didn't. Mac right. Jones did. Trey Lance didn't. Yeah, no, you're right. Mac Jones took advantage of it. And I would think even when Belichick made that comment, that he already knew Mac Jones was outperforming Cam Newton. He just wasn't going to say it, make a media spectacle of it, make it a thing in his locker room. He just was like, let me just see if the young man can kind of take it home from here now and end up with all these great practices and one more preseason game to solidify that he beat out Cam Newton. And I think that was always in the back of his brain. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Belichick got done with the third preseason game and was like, you know what? It, Mac Jones is the starter. He's better. I think this was something that was going on in their brain, you know, weeks leading up to this, and he just continued to hammer the nail home to go, look, I'm good. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm a rookie. Look, I'm good. I'm ready. Look, I made the great throw. Look, I made the right move in the pocket. Made a great throw. And I think he just gave them the, the absolute confidence when all said and done to make the move and make him the starter. Yeah, and uh, we find out in four days how it works out. Hopefully within the next four days we find out how it works out between the Steelers and T.J. Watt. Mike Tomlin is optimistic they're going to get a deal done. There are some other signs that suggest that maybe they won't, and the clock is ticking. More PFT Live right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long for Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. Mike, in regards to participation, uh, where do you stand with TJ? Will he be back on the practice field? Can he play? 
where does that stand? You know, um, like it's been mentioned organizationally here several times in the last um, several days, it's my understanding. Uh, I remain optimistic that something's gonna get done from a deal perspective. Um, that aside, um, you know, I'm expecting him to work tomorrow. I'm proceeding with the assumption that he's gonna work tomorrow. Um, you know, that's kind of the approach that I'm taking. Um, he's missed some time uh, due to obvious reasons. But like I've also mentioned um, over the course of this, this, this team development process, I focus very little on those that aren't working for whatever reason that they're not working. That was yesterday. So today is tomorrow, which means yes. TJ Watt dun, dun, dun. has a deal in place today. Wednesday, the first major work day as you get ready for a game, and T.J. Watt hasn't participated in team drills the entirety of training camp. It's a hold-in, not happy with his contract, didn't hold out. Team allowed him to show up, not practice. He's there working out individually, in meetings, otherwise getting ready, but not putting his body in harm's way until he gets his new contract. The problem is, Chris... No new contract. Now, some would look at what Tomlin said yesterday as an indication that he knows what's up and that they're going to get a deal done. But until right. they get a deal done, wait for it, they don't have a deal done. Yeah. And we've talked at length about the two rules. The Steelers have their rules separate from pretty much every other team when it comes to no negotiation on contracts once the season starts. Well, the clock really is ticking then. And no fully guaranteed money beyond the first year of the deal. I think the Packers are the only other team that does that. So, I, I, I look, hey, it's a deadline-driven business. The deadline is here. If he's going to be ready to go week one at Buffalo, this is it. At some point between now and when they set foot on the practice field today, we better hear T.J. Watt has a contract. I mean, yeah. I mean, first off, like, you know, we I know we hit on this a little yesterday, but like the, those two rules, like, hey, times are changing here, okay? You got to change with the times. I mean, players aren't going to like just go, oh, I play with the Pittsburgh Steelers and I'll agree to contracts that nobody else in football does, you know, and no guarantees past one year when they're going to see other players that are equal to them around the league that, of course, have guarantees that filter into other gears so you know no player is going to get behind that that's got to change and then listen I understand for business purposes like we don't negotiate during the year all right you know it doesn't have to be just a blanket black or white statement I think TJ Watt's pretty capable of practicing and then talking to his agent once every other day and getting an update on his contract situation and it not like distracting him to where he can't play football or be at his best. So that stuff's got to change in my perspective on the Pittsburgh thing. And then, Mike, the th the other the biggest thing is, like we said yesterday, on the field. I mean, they need him. There's no Bud Dupree this year. Stephon Tuitt's hurt and on injured reserve. This is a front. Devin Bush is just coming back from an ACL tear. You know, I don't think the Steelers front seven is going to be as dominant maybe as we've seen the last few years. And that's where I look at him and go, damn, they need him. He's their, their blue chip player on that front seven that can change offensive game plans. Rich Eisen and I were talking about this yesterday on his show, which airs on Peacock 12 to 3 Eastern. And, you know, he, he made a point that we've made from time to time as it relates to this idea of precedent. We don't want to set a precedent because, uh, you know, if we do this for T.J. Watt, 
somebody else is going to want it. Well, when somebody else asks for it, what you say to him is, you're not TJ Watt. You're not TJ Watt. Exactly. Right. Play like TJ Watt and we'll we'll change we'll the, break rules. the rules. And case in right, point. Right. Case in point. I think yesterday was kind of a crazy day where it was nonstop. I don't remember whether I said it on this show or whether I said it to Eisen. I think I said it to Eisen. With Antonio Brown, when he was in his prime and he was sufficiently under control that he didn't turn things upside down in the Steelers organization, he wanted a new deal with three years left. Well, the Steelers don't redo deals for anyone other than a quarterback who has more than one year remaining. So what did they do? He had three years left. They took some money from the next year, and they moved it in to this year. And then when he had two years left, they took money from the next year, and they moved it into that year. And then when he had one year left, they followed their rule, and they gave him a new contract. So they can make an exception like that for a great player. They better find a way to make an exception, to come up with something, some way where they can say, we didn't fail to follow our rule, but we basically failed to follow our rule. And if they don't do it, they're going to have a problem with T.J. Watt, Chris. They already right. have a problem. The question is, yeah, will they, they end problem. the problem today? Right, yeah, and they got a problem. And they're playing my boy Blue, Josh Allen, and you're not going to have T.J. Watt on the edge, or, or at least like at 100% T.J. Watt. I don't care if T.J. Watt practiced today and play on Sunday. He's not going to be as good to the, the total capabilities of what T.J. Watt can be. And, you know, your point about, like, I mean – rules are made different for the star players all the time in the NFL. That's life in the NFL. You know, money talks, performance talks on the field. Those guys, yeah, the rules get changed for them a little bit. You know, they were probably changing a lot of rules for Antonio Brown when he was there during that time period and letting it yes. slide and actions. Yes. But whoa, we can't we can't do the contract thing. So that's where that I don't I don't understand that totally. And Mike, let me ask you this, and maybe I'm off base here. But even if you had more than one year of guarantees, wouldn't that give the team a little bit more control or power over the player because there's guarantees to come and and other contract details that it can affect it? Am I wrong in that, or or, or I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure there well, with that well, statement. The the, the yeah. player has full and complete security, right? Right. And, right. and the team does have an extra layer of control depending upon how the language in the contract that would void the guarantees right, is worded. Right. So yes. you, you do have a little more power from the standpoint of if you do something you shouldn't do, your guarantees get voided. Now, I think the, the Steelers probably are saying to Watt's agents, why are you hung up on anything more than injury guarantees? Do you really think we're going to cut T.J. Watt after one season? Why would you think... We're going to cut him after one year. We want him here for the next two years, minimum. Now, he may be looking to get three years fully guaranteed or to structure the deal in a way that he's guaranteed to be there for three years. But I remember when right. we went through the whole Le'Veon Bell thing a few years ago and the offers they were making, there was no reason for him, first year of the franchise tag, there was no reason for him not to just play under the franchise tag because they weren't guaranteeing him anything beyond the first year. Yeah. So uh, you know, it all comes down to the details and the nuances. When, when these deals are done, there's that certain handful of reporters who will breathlessly tweet total value and guarantee. That doesn't tell the story. That doesn't even begin to tell the story. Full guarantee at signing is the story. And also when future guarantees become fully vested and convert right, right. from injury. Because that's right. when you have the full protection. When you have full guarantee, 
they, they're stuck with you, even if they have gotten to a point where they say, well, he's kind of had a down year, maybe we can move on. That's why you want that protection. And, and also, from the perspective of the agents, right, the agents, CAA, they want to do a deal that they can be proud of that will help sure. them when it's time to go get the next client. And you, right. you, that's one of the reasons why you got to play ball with these guys, especially when a guy's represented by one of the biggest agencies in the business because they're not going to do the deal unless it is on par with the Joey Bosa deal. They're not going to do it. Yeah. No, I, I, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's not good in business for them. They probably don't even feel comfortable about the, the protection for their player, their client that way. So, you know, yeah, yeah it's, it's, an, it's a weird situation. And here's another thing that just bothers me, okay? This bothers me. As an ex-player, a guy that's grown up, yeah, as the son of a player who played for 15 years, you know, the hold-in thing. We're already seeing it's working for the owners. The hold-in thing's working. You know, because there's Dwayne Brown, right, up in Seattle. Oh, yeah, yeah, he didn't get his contract. Nothing got, nothing's, you know, helping him out. You know, Quandre Diggs, but what's happening, Mike? You said it all along. They're feeling the pressure from their teammates. They want to play. They've been there every day, and now you feel like, man, we're getting ready for a real game, and I'm letting the team down. And now I'm going to go play. Even though I don't want to play, I'm going to play and put myself out there for further risk. And, I mean, it looks like T.J. Watt might go down that lane. And it's just like, who's going to be that first player that's finally going to hold in? I don't know. Maybe not. I just feel like that's the way it sounded yesterday, I guess. We'll see. But but here's the the problem. Yeah. If If they don't alter their rule on guarantees, and if they don't get a deal done this week, and and then if they that, that they're gonna have to break one of their rules. If they don't get a deal done this week, one of their rules is getting broken. Because if he doesn't play week one, what's the end game? They're done yeah. negotiating because that's our rule. We don't do contracts after the season starts. Well then you got a guy that you're gonna pay ten million dollars to sit, just like Deshaun Watson in Houston. Very different reasons. But yeah. th- th- that's the problem here. I don't like this whole hold-in thing because, like you said, it does put undue pressure on the player to eventually cave. But at some point, it does have to end. You did show up. You are here. At some point, it's time to get to work. And I understand the guys don't want to stay away because the fines are, are far greater now. And, you know, for the guy who operating under the fifth-year option, the fines for missing the preseason games are dramatically higher and – I, I there, there are plenty of reasons for T.J. Watt to have been there. But at some point, the team has to say to him, hey, T.J., you got to play. You're here. So it just creates an awkward situation. I think in some respects it's easier to negotiate with a guy who's withholding services completely than a guy who's there but just isn't practicing. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it is. It's an odd, an, an odd dynamic. I mean, there, there's no question. I mean, I, I can put myself in T.J. Watt's shoes where he's sitting there and he's probably got Cam Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick and all these other guys who respect, you know, what he's doing business-wise, but they're looking at him going, damn, you know, we'd, we'd like to go to the Super Bowl this year. This is a big one this week against the Bills, who are a Super Bowl team with Josh Allen. You know, they, they want him out there. Now, the players in the locker room aren't going to cl- cross the line into pressuring it, pressuring a player, 
but the player is going to feel it, especially great players and guys like TJ Watt or Cam Hayward or Minka Fitzpatrick who are like totally 100% invested in the sport and they live it. They wake up and they're like, wait, I got to eat four eggs with this much protein and I got to have this much carbohydrates and vitamin C. I mean, their whole life is around it. So they're going to feel the pressure themselves without anybody even on the team saying it to them. And that's where, yeah. Uh, it's a little bit of a, a raw deal for the players that way. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see this play out. I'm interested to see who does have the guts at some point here to hold in and be like, hey, yeah, I'm here, but I'm not playing this week until I get my new contract. And I don't know if I see T.J. Watt doing that. I'll be shocked if he is. I think he plays. As it relates to teammate reaction, the Steelers recently named their captains for this year. Now, last year they had five Ben Roethlisberger, Marquise Pouncey, Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, and a special teams guy whose name escapes me. This year they got three. Roethlisberger, Hayward, and Derek Watt, T.J.'s brother. So I don't know why they only decided to have one on offense and one on defense, but T.J. Watt doesn't have that C on his jersey. And uh, uh, it, it, that, that to me was just an interesting little wrinkle in all this, and I can't help but wonder if he had been practicing all along, would they have gone with five captains, two offense, two defense, one special teams? But uh, th- th- there's got to be, at this point, some raised eyebrows, some questions. You know, we're, we're all in, let's get ready to go play mode. He's there, and he's not with them. Remember a few years ago when Le'Veon Bell waited until just before the start of the season to show up and get his franchise tag salary. Right. There were actually offensive players who were calling him out, presumably at the behest of management, for yes. exercising his rights under the CBA. Right. The Steelers right. exercised their right by applying the franchise tag. He was exercising his rights. And they had guys stirred up and calling him out. So yes, they did. if that was happening then, you just got to wonder what's happening behind the scenes now. Yeah, I, I, I would... I would hope that Steelers learn from that a little bit. You're right. At that point, what we had, I mean, I feel like yeah, the coaches and some of the offensive linemen, the Steelers were feeling like they were the best team in football and they wanted him there, right, to, to make that Super Bowl run. I, I, I don't think players will fall into that trap this time around. They're, 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 I think they'll, they'll have learned to go, wait, that was messed up. We did that to Le'Veon Bell. People like us have brought it up. I don't think they'll go that way with T.J. Watt. I don't understand. I'm interested to know what the holdup is. That's where I'm really interested in because T.J. Watt is like, you know, he is the epitome of what a stealer is, right? I mean, am I saying that right? Does that make sense? I think it did. Yes. But, yes, yes, he stands for everything. Thank you. Accidental scholar. Accidentally intelligent, right. But, yes, he stands for everything they want. So, is it just the guarantees? Is it the top dollar average for year salaries? It is. It's just that. Aditi Kinkabala of NFL Media tweeted yesterday oh, that this I saw that, right. refusal to extend the guarantees beyond the first year is threatening to sink the negotiations <laughs> at a time when there was optimism. Excuse me. They, at some point, they're going to have to bend. Somebody's got to bend. Watt yeah. says through his agents, I want the guarantees full and complete beyond one year. Steelers say, no, we don't do it that way. Something's got to give or it's not getting done. So I think that is the thing, and we'll see. When the clock starts striking 12 later this morning, will someone blink? Yeah, I, I would think that the Steelers are going to blink here at some point. I mean, I think they got to look at it and go, wait, he's the best player on our football team, and 
you know, the pass rusher position so important to their scheme and and everything they do on that side of the ball. Uh, that that I would hope that they get this done. I don't know. I don't know who blinks. I shouldn't say that. I think it'll be the team that blinks. I don't know. Maybe the Steelers are stuck in their old school ways and they won't blink. And maybe they know T.J. Watt is old school and he's just eventually going to play and be a little unhappy. Uh, but something's got to give here, and I don't know what side gives. I just texted Burt Lawton, extraordinary PR representative for the Steelers, to just find out when practice starts today. I want to know. When, that, when the bell is going to start clanging over and over again for T.J. Watt to show up or not show up for the first big practice in advance of week one. Right, we mentioned Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell is back. Le'Veon Bell is on the practice squad of the Baltimore Ravens. He got a workout along with Devontae Freeman after Justice Hill suffered the torn Achilles the other day. He's not on the roster. He's on the practice squad. Intriguing development that Le'Veon Bell is back. And as we discussed yesterday, very intriguing that John Harbaugh would be the one to give him this opportunity because Harbaugh's got the pipeline to Andy Reid. And Le'Veon Bell was taking shots at Andy Reid earlier this year. And it was very confusing why Le'Veon Bell was upset at Andy Reid. I assume Harbaugh got to the bottom of it and is satisfied with it or Bell wouldn't be on the practice squad in Baltimore right now, Chris. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I would think so. Well, you know, John Harbaugh's got to do what's best for his team. And, you know, one thing in the NFL, yeah, you hear things, you talk to coaches, but most guys evaluate it for what they see and what they know in it, within that experience. And, hey, yeah, they need the position. He got to meet Le'Veon Bell and be around him. You know, and maybe he just feels comfortable about it. Other thing I thought about, too, remember when Le'Veon was going through that franchise stuff and holding out? Remember, I, I do believe, like, even Wink Martindale made a comment about, like, James Connors better than Le'Veon Bell or something like that. So that could be a little uncomfortable first uh, conversation, too. But uh, Le'Veon Bell practice squad, Mike? I mean, I guess they want to see him get in shape, see what he looks like. You know, get him in shape first before they just throw him out there. The other guy I got my eye on here, and I don't mean to, like, you know, jump the shark here or anything like that, but the Latavius Murray being out on the street now, too. Man, Baltimore's got to have their eyes all over him. He makes more sense to me as far as fitting their scheme, a downhill, just run through the hole type runner, where we know Le'Veon Bell likes to kind of dance and pick his holes. I don't know if that's exactly Ravens type of running back football from that, that standpoint. Uh. Latavius Murray has this style where he is just upright and just blasts you. Goes, right? Just blasts right. you. Uh, yes. And if you need if you need three, he'll get you four. If you need seven, he'll get you four. But he has a role in an offense. And we, we mentioned him earlier. He was cut by the Saints because he refused to take a pay cut. Now, here's how it works, or here's how it should work, depending upon who your agent is and whether or not your agent does this. When the team comes to you and says, we are supposed to pay you X, we want you to take Y instead. Before you give them an answer, you quote-unquote gauge the market. You call their teams with a hypothetical conversation that technically is tampering, but this is how the sausage gets made. You want to find out what's behind door number two elsewhere before you tell the Saints to stick it as it relates to what's yeah. behind door number one. So the fact that Murray got cut I'll be interested to see if he signs somewhere else and if he gets as much or more than what the Saints were offering. There's always a chance that a guy's going to say no on principle, but from a business standpoint, the right way to do it, okay, I'm supposed to make five, they're offering three. Unless I can get more than three somewhere else, I guess I just got to take the three. So maybe it's the Ravens, maybe it's someone else, but he's free and clear, 
able to be signed by anyone right now. Yeah, well, I think, you know, in sometimes these situations, the player is willing to take equals somewhere else because they just feel so disrespected once they've kind of invested themselves. I, I could see how, you know, Latavius Murray or even a Jerron Reed, we saw that in Seattle this year, right? They wanted him to take a pay cut and he wouldn't do it. So he left, he became a free agent. They had to cut him. And now he's on the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, it, it gets personal when you've been there for a while and you feel like, man, I put my body on the line. I've done everything you've asked. And now here we are a few days before the season starts and you're going to ask me to take a pay cut. Like I, most players just from, from pure spite are going to go, wait, agent, call around. If we get anything equal, screw this place. I'm going to go somewhere else and play there. And of course, he, maybe he looks at it and knows there's a few places where he can go and maybe get more carries, more touches on the football altogether and not have to deal with, you know, Alvin Kamara in front of him. Best way to avoid that in the non-guaranteed years of a contract, have a quick trigger in March. A roster bonus, a guaranteed payment, something yeah, point, that Mike. forces the right. team to make the decision. The Mark Andrews deal in Baltimore, we had the full breakdown of that, I think, yesterday morning. In year four and five, where the guarantees are over, there's a roster bonus of, I think, $4 million due in March. That, that brings it all Smart. to a head. Right. Well before you get to late August, early September, and the team has all the power, and the player who doesn't have anything guaranteed has no power whatsoever, other than the power to say no and become a free agent. All right, uh, let's take a break. Football is back, as evidenced by the surroundings behind Chris. But further evidence, the return of the power rankings. We'll go over week oh, one yeah. of our installment when PFT Live continues right after this. The first power rankings of 2021 are out. And, hey, my standard approach, the defending Super Bowl champion remains number one until someone knocks them off, Chris. So the Bucks, by virtue of winning it all, the far bigger prize than that incredibly awesome Super Bowl ring being number one in the PFT power rankings to start the season. That's the top half. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a little controversy. I'm sure there's a few surprises. And... The folks in the bottom half, look, somebody's got to be in the bottom half. That's the hardest thing about the power rankings before any games have been played. The bad teams don't want to accept the fact that they're bad teams, and some of those bad teams won't be bad. They will climb. I will acknowledge that that does happen, but there will be teams that deserve and earn, through very hard work, their spots in the lower rung of the power rankings. Chris, anything jump off to you when you, I, when was, you saw it? There's Stunned, only one surprised, thing. dismayed, One chagrined. thing that I think, yeah, one thing. You know, I really, I mean, listen, it, it, I, I got no arguments other than I think you're too high on the Chargers at number eight. That would be my one thing that just jumped out to me right off the bat. Again, I like, and let me state my case, and then you could state your case. I mean, uh, obviously, I know the quarterback special. I think what worries me a little bit is, and I know they have a talented roster. It's just. New coaching staff, new offensive coordinator for quarterback in, you know, year two of his career. You know, Derwin James' health, Bosa's health, and I just look at, not that I don't respect their team and go, ooh, yeah, there's potential, but I don't think I would have put them in front of the Saints, the Patriots, the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Titans. I would have had them down below that group next. So explain yourself, counselor. I just, I, I think that they have all the pieces. Yeah. And Justin Herbert 
who was the offensive rookie of the year last year and was awesome getting thrust into the fray week two thanks to Tyrod Taylor's unfortunate Dr. Needle. Dr. Needle. Dr. Needle, baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I wonder when the statute of limitations runs on that defamation claim. Anyway, uh, and we say it in jest, Dr. Needle. We're just having some fun. Uh, yes. We're not saying you committed malpractice. We're just saying that he was poked with a needle and it punctured his lung and that was that. But I, I'm a big believer in Brandon Staley as a head coach. And, and for now, their guys are healthy. Okay? Yeah. If they yeah. get injuries, that's when they fall off. But if they're healthy, they're going to win games. They're going to be a factor. They're going to be a force in the AFC. And unfortunately for them, they're in the same division as the Chiefs. But, you know, it was a couple years ago. I think it was 2018. Yes. Was it 2018? Where the... the Chargers went to Kansas City on a Thursday night and upset yeah. them. Remember that? That's the right. Throw right. To, uh, They're both and, twelve and, and four the, that year. If the Chargers hadn't lost the late season game to the Ravens, right? Was wasn't that how it worked out? Yes, the Chargers would have been, been the, the one, one seed. seed. Right. Instead, they had to go after their wild card win. They had to go to the divisional round in New England and pay the Patriots, and they got their butts whooped up there in New England. Right. But yes, you're right. I mean, they're certainly aspects of that team to your point and we know you're they're top notch they really are I guess it's just a little bit of the change quarterback in a different system which I still don't understand why Shane Steichen wasn't kept there with as as good as Justin Herbert was last year but you're right the talent's there I guess I just don't have the guts yet I gotta see it a little bit more you know I want to see the offensive line and the run game take off a little bit and I just want to see what this new regime is going to look like uh you know kudos to you for having the guts to do it because their roster is their roster is worthy of being in that area I I won't you know disagree with you there on on that point Question from Jake L. How do you justify the Giants as anything more than a bottom two squad given the year that Daniel Jones had last year? For shame, Jake L. says, I, I, I thought Jones wasn't bad last year. This is the year that they want him to make a big jump. They went out and added Kenny Galladay in free agency. Kyle Rudolph in free agency. Used their first-round pick on Kadarius Toney. They are right. loading the cannon with weapons, and as we said all along, this is a no-excuses year for Daniel Jones. It's step up or step off. I, I, I don't think the Giants are too high. If anything, I thought maybe there'd be some complaints that they're too low. No, I, I think you got them right in the right spot. You know, they're they're by some teams that you go, okay, there's talent, but they got to prove themselves a little bit. Yeah, there's too many questions with the Giants. I understand the Daniel Jones question. I get it. You know my argument to that, too, is like, yeah, it wasn't as bad last year. There's things he can improve on, but come on, Giant fans, stop just blaming the quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback. What was really supposed to happen again last year? What was supposed to, like, what, no Saquon? Way below average offensive line. You know, not great weapons of receiver. Evan Ingram had the drops. I mean, how great did you think he can be? He's not Superman, you know. So, yeah, he's not Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. But I still think you can win, and we'll see. We've talked about it a lot, right? Daniel Jones just got to be a little more backyardish in his play. Can't be, I'm going to in the pocket, I'm going to pat the ball four times because coach said go through the reads. One, two, maybe a quick look at three. Let me look around. Do I got time to throw or get out of the pocket? He's a good athlete. He throws the ball on the run. The Giants are a team that I do say, E at 22, I go, watch out for them. You know, There are some aspects of their team I like, and I do, 
I'm a believer in Joe Judge and, and, and Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, that they can come with the appropriate game plans along with Jason Garrett on the offensive side of the ball week to week. And I think they got the talent a little bit more here to back it up. The big question is O-line. They couldn't play Daniel Jones until weeks uh, preseason game three because I think they were scared to death of their O-line if they could protect him. That's not a good thing to go into the year with, and that's something I'll be watching with early on with the Giants. The divisional assignment helps as well. They're in the one division of all eight in the NFL that doesn't have a powerhouse team. So that's an opening for the Giants as well that's right. if they can right. piece it together. And if Jones steps up, he doesn't have to beat Josh Allen of last year. Right. But they want to see that improvement. Or, hey, they got two first-round picks next, uh, next year. We talked a few weeks ago about how they didn't pick up the second first-round pick next year with an eye toward replacing Daniel Jones. But if he's not very good this year... They can either it trade the up. Flexibility. They can yeah. trade those picks to someone else. They could try to make a play for Russell Wilson if he decides he wants out of Seattle or if right. he still wants out of Seattle, as the case may be, after the season. He's kind of set that aside for now. So they have a lot of flexibility. It all comes down to what Daniel Jones does this year for the Giants. Paul Silva asks, if the 49ers were publicly committed to their quarterback, would they be higher in your power rankings? And absolutely, yes. And it's not a matter of being publicly committed – it's a matter of creating the sense that there is a plan, that there yeah. is something, that it's not just a series of impulses that will enter the brain or the gut of Kyle Shanahan to tell him what he should do. I mean, get a Ouija board or something at least. Let's have some idea where this is going. <laughs> that, to yeah. me, is the one thing that potentially holds them back, this confusion and uncertainty that emanates from Kyle Shanahan when it comes to the quarterback position. I, I understand that. I mean, yes, that's that is the perception around the team right now. Now, you know, you've heard me say. I think I said it last week. I do think Shanahan has an unbelievable way of communicating and getting his team behind what he's thinking as far as game plans and how he, how to use the roster uh, and everything that goes along with that. So that's where I go. Shanahan's special that way. I'm not going to say he can't pull this off. And you know, right at eleven, I, I understand you putting them at 11 I honestly think the 49ers roster is a top five roster in football when I really look at it but I the yeah the quarterback question you know do they have faith in Jimmy Garoppolo can he stay healthy can he play at a high level or is he going to look like the guy we saw you know in the playoffs a few years ago where they had to run the ball all those questions I think are are justified and why you put them 11 but man Mike when you think about their offense you go through it and you go, where where are they not elite? Receivers, Debo and Ayuk, elite. George Kittle, maybe best tight end in football. Mostert and the running back room itself. Yeah, it might not be like household superstar names, but they're superstar type talents. And then that offensive line is as good as anybody in football. And then you go on the defensive side of the ball, their front seven's up there with anybody in football too. Secondary corners got some questions, but man, that 49er team, if Shanahan could keep it together and keep everybody believing and the quarterback thing not getting too crazy, uh, I think they're going to have a, a big-time say in, in how this league plays out this year. Remember how we criticized Jimmy Garoppolo for that touchdown run against the Raiders where he went headfirst into two guys in the end zone? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, right. I think we're going to see him do that all year. I think he's going to be wired to say, and this is how I would handle it, hey, they're trying to get rid of me anyway. I am leaving nothing on the field. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to play my game. I'm going to play my style. And I'm going to do what I can to help win games. And they're going to have to pull me off the field. Or they're going to have to scrape me up with a spatula to get me out of here. Because I am putting it all out there every time I go out on the field. 
injuries, health, whatever, be damned. My job is to fend off this guy that they're trying to cram onto the field in my place. I, I, yeah. And that's exactly yeah. the mindset I would have. I think yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the way he's going to be. He's going to he's going to try to ruin their plans. You know, he's going to try to say, "Up your butt, Joe Boo! I'm still really good, and you got another quarterback decision to make." <laughs> Hopefully, they won't bleep that out in Manchester or London. Sorry, London, that, that, that I, should be I don't okay. Know. Right? I don't know, but but you know what? You know what? Yeah, uh, right. Smoking crack. That's all yeah, I'll they say. They bleeped it out. Yeah, you just got bleeped out. They don't even know what you said. <laughs> um, all right, other one. I, I, I can ask only you about. imagine what they think we said if they bleep out smoking crack. What do they think we said? <laughs> I know you're right. Uh, I don't know. Right. I don't know either. I know. Well, the good thing I'm like my podcast is not on over there because they wouldn't know any of my sentences or what I'm saying as much as I swear on that. Um, wait, one more question for you. Colts at 19. In the playoffs last year, I think we both think they got talent. I think we're both on the same page that, I don't know, they got a little bit of a negative vibe around them throughout the the preseason and training camp. You know, was that your ultimate justification for putting them there at 19? Yes. Yes. Yes, it was. The constant string of injuries, the COVID situation, the quarterback who is obstinate about being not vaccinated. Oh, and it's not a coincidence they're one spot behind the Vikings, the other team, with the quarterback who is obstinate about not being vaccinated because chances are that's going to make a difference at some point this year. There's going to be a key player who's not available on the Colts or the Vikings to play this season, and it's going to contribute to a loss that otherwise could have been a win. And when it's time to look at the final standings, oh, the Colts just missed it. Oh, the Vikings just missed it. That vibe to me is what has them lower, both teams, lower than what they otherwise would have been, Chris. Yeah, I, I understand it. I mean, it scares me too. You know, they're, they're to me one of the most intriguing teams, you know, in the NFL because their talent is there to be a major player, you know, in the AFC. But, yeah, those issues, you know, Carson Wentz, new team, you know, who is that extra superstar that jumps out on, on both sides of the ball? They need one more, you know, take the pressure off. We got a big-time player here where we don't have to execute, you know, on a 10-play, 85-yard drive every time. We got a guy who can, like, if Paris Campbell, can he come through? Paris Campbell has Odell Beckham-type talent and speed. I mean, he's a game-breaker. I saw him in the Big Ten, you know, against all those teams. It didn't matter who it was. Running reverses for 80 yards, catching slants for 80 yards. Can he be that guy? If they can, like, have that one more weapon on offense, and like I think you've heard me say, one more guy on defense that you have to game plan and think about a little bit, then I'd say watch out for the Colts. But I'm with you. I'm a little I'm a little scared of them right now. I will say I think I would have had them in front of – the 18, 17, the Dolphins, Cowboys, and Vikings. I probably would have had them right around 15 or 16, but uh, I, I feel you with where you put them. And one thing about the Colts, you know, this vibe contributed to one of my decisions yesterday for our Offensive Player of the Year draft. I was thinking about Jonathan Taylor. He is one of the bright spots for that team, and Definitely. he could have a monster year in 2021, but it just, it just feels like there's a weight that is dragging down the Colts this year, and it's up to them to, to shed it and see how high they can go in not as importantly the power rankings, but in their division as they contend with the Tennessee Titans. Right. Let's take a break. We're going to focus on the AFC West 
when we return. We'll look at the win totals. Are we over? Are we under? We'll do that next on Pro Football Talk Live. 